0: Hello and welcome back to Live Learn Lead. And we have a special episode for you today. So, I lost a hard drive a little while ago and I lost some amazing interviews with it, and we've just managed to recover it. So, here today is my guest, Nancy Michaeli, and she is going to be talking about how we step up into a leadership role, particularly in the first time. And I don't know about you, I have found 2020 tough. So, if you found it tough, Particularly if you've been stepping up into leadership for the first time, this is helpful for you. It's also going to be talking about how we play to our strengths, the strengths of our team, and how we use rotational leadership based on the theory of geese flying to make sure none of us get overwhelmed, overworked, and burnt out. This is so important. In leadership roles, so many people, over 60% of people, report feeling burnt out in the first year. With 2020, leaving its mark on us is even more important for us to be able to make sure we don't burn out and we don't have too much stress. So I'm going to leave you to get your pens and paper out. Nancy is an incredible guest. You're going to find some really interesting stuff in here. We're going to cover strengths, rotational leadership and a little bit of hypnotherapy from a technical point of view and how this can help us get stronger stronger face 2021 in an even better position than we were before, how we can take those learnings from 2020 and put them into a new place. I am going to say, because this was recovered Content, it was recorded before COVID, but these messages are so powerful, they're going to carry with you no matter what. Let's get ahead and let's listen. We're here today to talk about leadership and what that means and perhaps some of the ways that it's very difficult as a new leader to come in to a management role and really adapt how they work to be working with people now rather than just processes and themselves. And you obviously are in a senior leadership role right now. And you also work with leaders as a coach and hypnotist. Is that the right term? Yes, that's correct. Wow. So I know for me, my experience was very much a lot of my leaders when I was in industry weren't given the support when I first came into the role to understand what it means. They were trained on systems, but they were definitely not given the skills they needed to deal with humans being messy and demanding all the time. What for you do you think is like one of the key elements leaders new into position really need? So my background is the
1: engineering world, and I've worked in oil and gas, and I very much agree with what you're saying. We take a lot of very talented, technical, young resources and put them into leadership roles and then expect them just to be able to stand up and do the work of leadership. I think one of the things that leaders need to do is actually try and figure out from a first perspective, what motivates them to be successful. What are the things that allow them to find their strengths and what makes them perform really well? Because once you know what helps you perform really well and what types of techniques motivate you, you can start to take a look at it from a human perspective, as opposed to taking a look at all the activities from just an activity of doing perspective. So I think that's one of my first things. The other thing I want to do is challenge leaders who promote other leaders within their corporation to not necessarily look for the person who's got the best skill, but the person who is greatest at bringing other people workers together to achieve results. So they may not be the most technically talented person, but they are the person who actually interacts the best from a team perspective in the team portion of their organization.
0: Yeah, so like the glue, or I sometimes call it like the cement in the wall. So you've got all of Mm. your bricks, all your very key players, but you need the cement as well. Yes, yeah. And I think when you
1: find those people who are respected by their peer, for working well with others, then when you promote them into leadership roles, they just have a little bit more natural tendency to do it. I think there's a drive sometimes to promote really technically competent people. And then we put them into leadership roles and they absolutely hate
0: it because
1: it is not who they are and what their strengths are.
0: Yeah, so you've taken a thing they love and a brilliant away, so they can manage somebody else in doing it. And I think that's when you get like, I had one boss who's a bit like that and he just, he could do it better than me. So of course mm-hmm. he wanted to micromanage me because I wasn't doing as good a job as he did because I didn't have the years of experience that he had. But that meant mm-hmm. I didn't get to gain it either because right. he was always wanting to do it. <laughs> I was like, hey, can yeah. we take roles? Because like, I'd really be happy doing the people stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And that's kind
1: of one of the things that I think is really important. A leader is if you get put into that position and you don't like kind of doing the people bit, is to actually step up and say, you know what, this is not my strength. I would really, really like to be like a very strong technical resource within your organization. And having the guts and confidence to do that, I think
0: is really, really difficult. A lot of guts, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, this promotion you hear given me, actually, it's not for me. Like, right. many people see that as like workplace suicide. Like what am I yeah. doing? i given this promotion. How can I give it up? Right.
1: And within certain corporations, like I know coming from the oil and gas industry, if you don't accept promotion, it then hinders the rest of your promotions in your career. And I think that's kind of one of the worst things that as organizations and as leaders, we can do for other people.
0: Yeah. So I guess like that choice then becomes, well, I either admit this isn't for me or I keep going because, you know, otherwise I'm not going to have any opportunities in the future.
1: Or your third choice is to work with your leadership team to say, let's put technical strength as a key resort, instead of necessarily calling it a leadership position, Mm. but calling it like a technical specialist or something to that effect, that still gives people that opportunity to move within the organization, but stay within the boundaries of the area that they love and that they're really good at.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so for somebody who's like, you know what, this isn't for me right now, but I think I can get better at it and I can enjoy it. What then do you feel are like the key steps you need to take beyond understanding what motivates you and keeps you stress free? What are the key things you usually work with most of your leaders on?
1: So the key things that I work with most my leaders on is having them understand. The first thing I like is having them do the strengths test that's done by uh, Dr. Martin Seligman from the University of Pennsylvania. And he has people evaluate what their personal character strengths are. So I find that people understanding where their personal character strengths are really, really help. And then I have them take a look at their team and have their team analyze their character strengths so that you can understand what motivates people within your team. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you can figure out and learn as a leader how to keep your team constantly motivated, then that is one of the keys to success. The other that I do is I prefer to work across a leadership team than work with one individual. And it's really interesting when you've had a team that has been experienced for a long period of time working together and you bring one new person in. So whether they come from outside the company to join or they are young joining, moving up the ranks, joining this team. And really what I like to do is something that I call rotational leadership and work on people's strengths. And so try and figure out who has strengths to do certain tasks within a team, who likes to do certain things within that team of leaders, so that as a team of leaders, they learn to work better as a team, because if they work better as a team, then their employees will respect them better as a team, and then they're able to filter that down better to their employees. And so I consider this like the Canadian geese in flight. They fly in a V formation and one of the geese is at the start. And then as that goose gets tired or has done a certain length of time, that goose will move back. And so it's as a leadership team, teaching your leadership team to rotate around what their skills and strengths are and have them move as opposed to be just a hundred
0: percent lined in job position.
1: So, you so I think as a
0: person, I guess at the front, like kind of because the goose at the front takes the brunt of breaking the slipstream, right? And the ones at the back exactly. kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you allow them to have that break, and it's not continual stress, and they're not burning out. Correct, and they're not burning out, and they have opportunities to grow and
1: develop while they watch other members of the leadership team do their portion as well there's certain because everybody has such natural strengths we perform better in those areas so if we can understand what our natural strengths are from a leadership position we are able to actually lead and motivate our teams better and then the third thing that I really kind of think is super important is learn actually the difference on the stress curve. So the stress curve, as leaders, we have a tendency to get ourselves into the area of exhaustion and burnout mm-hmm. because at times we care very highly about the work that we're doing and become really passionate about it, which may lead us to micromanage when people aren't performing really well. But the reality is in the stress curve, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but is the bell curve. On the left side of the bell curve, you start with yourself or your employees being in a state of boredom, which having had a role in my life where I haven't had enough work to do is really difficult and it's a lot of work to manage your employees in that time quite like depressed
0: from it as well like i know you can get really mentally unwell from stress but i think also from not having enough challenge can be just as detrimental
1: Exactly. So then as you move up the curve, you've got this calm state. And this is where employees are doing just their routine activities that they know really, really well that they don't really need to think a lot about, but it doesn't necessarily motivate them to achieve greatness for their company. When you you get to top of the bell curve, this is known as eustress. And eustress is where you've got that excitement. People are motivated. They're in the thought of flow. Hmm. And they're very, very creative in that state. And then as you move over the curve, you go into the area of exhaustion and overworked to the following, the bottom of the curve, which is burnout. Ideally, what as a leader you want to do is figure out how to motivate your team into that top portion, but not always be theirs. So they do need to flip between excitement and joy and flow down into calm and then back up into that excitement and figure out that balance. So as a team, as a leader, one of the key skills that I think people need to do is learn is how to motivate people to be in that excited joy flow state yeah. for their specific team. And, there, and recognize that people, as well as leaders, we get stuck to things like distraction and too many things going on. But when you're in actual flow state, it's when you can get like about 90 minutes of actually sitting and as an employee, not being distracted by a whole bunch of things, but being able to get in, move your work, do really, really exciting things. And as a team, that flow state can happen really well in meetings and if you're a really good leader it's how you facilitate those meetings to create that flow state that excitement that motivation that keeps your team moving and it is different for each team so you need to be able to recognize what
0: motivates that team versus what motivates another team that you may or may not have so you really need to deeply understand yourself and your team to be able to get into the flow state for everybody Correct. Yes. Wow. Okay. So you, you mentioned that you start with a strengths finder and I'll try and put a link to that as well at, at the bottom of the podcast so people can go and have a look. And I, I love working with positive psychology and coaching. So we so yep. often look at where we're failing, where we're not doing well, and we forget to look at what is some good stuff and how can I use that differently to maybe bridge that gap? How can I use it to encourage someone? Because we all have strengths, no matter like how good or bad a job we're doing, or we'll have strengths. So yeah, I love that. But once you've done the understanding, what I find can be like a sticking point, and I don't know if you agree, is quite often people will pigeonhole themselves into, well, this is me. So, you know, you have to deal with me in this way. How do you make sure that after doing that strength finder, people don't pigeonhole themselves or limit themselves through it?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a couple different things, right? So there's the strength finder and then there's the character strengths and those are two different tools. So one is done by Gallup, right? Which is the strength finder. And then the character strengths, which is done by the university of Pennsylvania. What you try and do is actually you try and figure out how to utilize your character strengths in your weakness areas. So for me, for example, my character strengths are creativity, appreciation for beauty and excellence, curiosity, perspective, and love of learning. And so things that I really dislike doing are, even though I have a degree in engineering, are doing like the calculations and doing the <laughs> things that are the real kind of detailed design perspectives. So then I take a look at how do I take my character strength of creativity and curiosity, and apply that to the things that I dislike doing. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a matter of I am this type of person. In the work of positive psychology that Seligman does, is he actually has people try and figure out how to use their strengths for the things that they dislike. And when you can apply your natural strengths to those things and use those different because the character strengths are more around values than they are based on the technical strengths. And so why I prefer those is because you can actually apply those nicely to the things that you dislike or that you're not as comfortable doing and learn how to become more comfortable doing it by applying your natural strengths.
0: Yeah, I like that. So what I'm hearing there is like, I'm, I mean, I'm nodding away here because I completely resonating with everything you're saying um, that requires ongoing work though right you can't just do a test and then leave people to it
1: yeah so the test helps you determine how to use your strengths with the activities and the the work that you do the other thing that I find is if I have somebody blocked because I'm a trained hypnotist I can actually do a coaching session with them and help them uncover that block And then in the hypnosis session, there's a couple different parts. One is where we try and figure out what the block is. But in the second portion, we do what we call the transformation activity. And in this transformation activity, I use their character strengths in the language to help them overcome their block. And it actually becomes kind of a little bit like a meditative process, Mm -hmm. but it's very, very focused around them, around what they are trying to achieve and how to put that language into their mindset to overcome and remove that block. Their their process a simple little fifteen minute recording that they personally get to listen to to help them achieve their results and their goals that they want to to do and become.
0: Wow, that sounds really powerful. And so, for people who maybe aren't so aware of what hypnosis is, I think there can be some misperceptions on it and fears surrounding it. So, can you just maybe dispel those and tell us a little bit about what hypnosis with you involves?
1: So hypnosis with me involves a, is a, is designed for specifically around stress and anxiety, the things that are causing you discomfort in your, be able to perform as a leader. And hypnosis is actually a state of flow and hypnosis is something that people go into naturally multiple times a day. So for example, if you have ever been watching a movie Or a TV show and you're very emotionally involved in it, whether you get really excited and laughing or whether you are crying and emotionally, those are states of hypnosis. Another state of hypnosis is if you're traveling along the highway for a long period of time and you seem to lose track of time. <laughs> oh, that yeah, that one.
0: <laughs> mildly that terrifying, is- isn't it? How did I get here? I don't remember. How did I get
1: Exactly. So that is very much a state of hypnosis. So one of the things people will say to me first is, oh, I don't think I can go into hypnosis. And the reality is you actually fall asleep without going through the state of hypnosis because it is that state. just before going to sleep when your mind is in REM state Mm -hmm. so it's a great state to help people overcome issues it also gives us a chance in hypnosis to shut down the conscious thinking mind and allow the subconscious mind to come to the surface and give you what is actually happening so it's all of those programming thoughts that are going on in the back of your mind that a lot of times we're not aware of and in meditation we can sometimes bring those to the surface but in hypnosis it's really really quite easy to bring kind of what are those thoughts and processes going through your mind. Each of us processes between 60 and Mm 80,000 thoughts a day. So your conscious mind is really small. So it doesn't have the opportunity to figure out what those are. And about 90% of those thoughts are negative. Because our brain is wired for more negative thoughts. So if there's ways that we can try and figure out what some of those negative thoughts are in that subconscious, we can actually reprogram your mind for the activities that you want. So when I start my hypnosis with the leader or anybody, my first goal is to find out what is the ultimate outcome that you want to achieve. Like, what is the result? What is the thing that you want? Mm -hmm. We then go into hypnosis. We try and figure out what's blocking that from a hypnotic state. And then it's actually like a coaching conversation. So the person will speak, back and forth to me, you will remember 100% of what goes on in the hypnotic session. And then at the end, you'll have a recording of some positive messages that you'll be able to work with yourself to refresh, 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 and it will create these beautiful positive languages in your mind and have eliminated the negative impacts that's going on.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. So that just sounds like so powerful. And so just to be really clear, at no point are you like getting people to do things that they're not going to remember or anything like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody, people who are in hypnosis will remember what is going on. And the other thing is, if anything's ever said, you're you're in a state, you're not asleep you're not, it's not a mind reading or mind control perspective. The person under hypnosis, if they feel uncomfortable at any point with the language that's being used, the session or the questions, they just have to open their eyes and they're back in, in their natural state. Yeah, so they are fully in control. And I think that's kind of the things that people see from a stage hypnosis perspective, right? They yeah. see people, Running around, doing silly things. You have to understand that anybody who volunteered to be on a stage hypnosis event has volunteered to look silly and know that they're going up there to do something silly and to see what kind of things the hypnotist. So they're willing to play along in that perspective.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, thank you. And so I, I just think that's like, there's so many golden nuggets in there trying to draw them out. So we sort of started with, first thing you need to do as a new leader is understand yourself and your stresses better. And before we started this recording, you used the analogy of put your own, oh, what do you call them? The air masks from the, the air. mask.
1: Yeah. From a flight.
0: <laughs> yeah. So put yours on first before anybody else's. And I use an analogy of you can't give from an empty cup. So if you're massively stressed out and not in your happy place, you're not going to be able to help others as well as you could. It's very true. Yeah. And then we have the lovely analogy of the geese. So you call that rotational leadership. Am I right? Yes. Um, yes.
1: Where you rotate your leadership team based on the strengths and the activities that are happening
0: at the time. Mm. And so you really have to have that understanding of self and your team to be able to do that. And then this mm-hmm. final really powerful bit where in order to sort of program some of that more positive thoughts in, get over some of your limiting beliefs. So I call them that's negative automatic thoughts and then pets. Oh, yes. You always want to look after your pets, <laughs> positive emotive thoughts. So reprogramming that in so that you can have a more positive experience with the power of hypnosis in the workplace, which is something I think not a lot of people really talk about a lot of alternative therapies coming in like particularly in engineering or I worked in a pharmaceutical industry it's very science-based very rational based and we start like oh no I don't want the airy-fairy stuff but actually it's really really powerful Mm -hmm. and so you're saying like in a 90-minute hypnosis session you can achieve with a client what would take weeks of talking therapies to do
1: yeah I can have massive transformation in a very very short single session with somebody and which, yeah, with talking can take quite some period of time because to get to the things that are going on in the subconscious mind, which is really what's running all of our habits on a daily basis, can be a very, very long time. And we may not even get to it as a coach. So I like to clear those really, really early on, and then use coaching to help move people forward and do all of the motivation and the planning post doing the hypnotic suggestion.
0: Yeah. So like the planning for you kind of comes after the self-understanding and other understanding other people. And it's kind of, because I think people quite often think, well, right, I'm going to goal set right at the beginning and then I'm getting my stuff done and I don't have to worry about any of that deeper work because it's all just about me not procrastinating anymore, me, you know, getting my team to do what they need to do now. <laughs> but it's actually about understanding yourself and your team first.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you understand yourself, your team will just magnify like the ability to change your team and motivate your team to be a successful leader will just take off tenfold versus if you just try and do it from The standard method of of training, which is what historically we've done with people, the theory is that training impacts somebody about 10%. So you get about 10% value, where if you can get that person using a combination of hypnosis and coaching, and then put the activity plan on it, you can have such a significant improvement in a faster, more rapid time period.
0: Yeah. And I guess with that, you also then... Prevent future burnout, hopefully, because you've got healthy habits. And that, I mean, it's International Stress Awareness Week right now. And I know in the UK, that can cost companies, you know, total in the UK of 30 million pounds a year in oh, easily. sickness due to stress. And that's what's been admitted as due to stress. Break. Right. Yeah, so in,
1: I was looking at a, an article just before getting on this, and in the UK, they were saying about half a million people are struggling between in 2015, 2016, when they did the research, or struggling with work-related stress. and. In Canada, that number is a very similar number, around half a million people are taking a day off a week because of work-related stress. And so if you start to factor that into your lost productivity within your organization, people's mental health is huge in trying to figure out how to have people be more successful Mm -hmm. and so for me i really really try and get people and the leadership team because the leadership team sets the example for the organization
0: totally and the culture
1: and exactly and the culture for the organization and so you may have one leader who's performing really well but if the rest of the leaders aren't As a team performing well, it doesn't work. And so, my preference is not just to work with one leader at a time, but actually to work with the entire team
0: of leaders, seeing the benefit.
1: So that they're all seeing the benefit. So that as a team, they can roll activities within their organizations. And I even just have like some simple little tricks to do. So, for example, most people do a one-hour meeting right? Like that's like the standard. It's either one hour meeting or one and a half hour or two hour, right? But what if you consider doing something as simple as taking your meeting down to 50 minutes and allowing people to have 10 minutes to between meetings to do things like just go to the bathroom, right? Grab a coffee, not feel... Like, that
0: email and so they're present in the meeting because they've dealt with all the stuff that's been building up whilst okay. you're in
1: it. Exactly. Or just even a chance to say hello to somebody and ask about their children or what they did on the weekend, right? Yeah. And connect on a real human level. But as organizations, we insist on things like the full hour meeting. Yeah, And so one of the things, and I struggle to do this as well, so I appreciate it, <laughs> but I'm trying with the engineering company that I work with is to actually move meetings down to being 50 minutes long.
0: So kind of Just having a so
1: meeting. Yeah, so people have that 10 minute just to kind of breathe. I also have people take conscious breathing breaks. And that is just to take a few minutes, either go outside, connect with the weather, even if it's a rainy day, but just go outside and take a few minutes and just take some deep breaths. Mm -hmm. And relax and allow the serotonin in your body just to de-stress and relax. And I think there are certain little tricks that we can do that help people with work-related stress. And then the final one that I recommend with all of my leaders especially and to help with their organization is have people find 90 minutes early in the day where they can accomplish one activity. And they choose one priority activity that has to be done for that day, not 10 <laughs> One priority and they sit down and they focus on it for 90 minutes because 90 minutes without interruption. So that means emails turned off, cell phones put away, nobody yep. knocking on your door, but create a culture where you actually take a 90 minute kind of work. I'm just going to sit and work on this one activity. It's amazing how much you can accomplish in 90 minutes without interruption once you get into a state of flow and it helps improve people's happiness, excitement, enjoyment.
0: It's not and they really feel like anymore, is it?
1: Yeah, exactly. But we tend to have like long laundry lists. We tend to, (laughs) there's there's so many little kind of tricks and tools to help in reduce work-related stress. And so distractions is one I find meetings and as leaders, it's one of our key areas where we can help. And if we can coach people to be able to have an opportunity to get into the state of flow, that will be huge for the corporation and for the, the worker themselves.
0: Yes. And there's now science behind it. So all you like hard node engineers, scientists who are like, no, I need the empirical evidence. There are so many studies on it. I can show you MRI brain scans of how your brain changes under stress exactly. or when you leave it. So yeah, if you want the evidence, please message us and I'll happily provide it to try and get you to understanding that like it's not this woo woo thing. It is flow is very real and very measurable.
1: <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah, and corporations, if they start to truly, at a corporate executive level, take this as something that's important for them, will see huge productivity when they're in their organizations. We'll see people have less sick time, which is really, really huge. And both of these will impact their bottom line because people will come to work being happier and more enjoy it. And as a leader, that is your goal is really to give people a place where they can perform at their best.
0: Yeah, so you have happy, healthy humans at their Mm -hmm. best, giving the company their best. Exactly. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's that's so many powerful things. I think I'm gonna have to go back over some of that for myself (laughs) as well. (laughs) So before we go, is there like one final thing you'd like to say or like a parting gift to give or just like one thing to summarize there?
1: I think the reality is, and I think the thing that I want to end with is the whole concept of as a leader, it's really, really important to understand yourself first. Because when you don't understand what stresses you out and what causes you to, what helps you perform better, then you are not able to truly relay things down. And so as leaders, we need to work primarily on ourselves so that we can help others be better.
0: So true. Thank you so much. That's so powerful. I hope all of you listening are now going to go and do what you need to do to figure yourself out a little bit, maybe give yourself some downtime, go outside and find possibly a coach if you're not already working with a coach. Um, We can put your details up as well if you'd like to contact um, either of us. So thank you. That's brilliant. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time. Wow, some deep and powerful learnings there, my lovelies. So I hope that has helped you. I hope you feel stronger going into the 2021 period, that you know your strengths, you know yourself, and you know how to make sure you're resilient.